grateful that you're here this morning. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, you're going to want to open them up. Um, you could probably jump in into the book of Matthew, probably about the uh, chapter 6. We'll get there in just a couple of minutes. Um, and so, uh, and we're grateful if you are here with us online. Uh, I know out on the patio, wherever you might be, we're thankful that you've uh, chosen to spend time with us. We pray this morning that God would just move and shape us. Um, we're in the we're, we're beginning a, a new sermon series um, this weekend, and it's one that I, I believe has the incredible potential to make an enormous difference in in what we just talked about, what we just sang about. Uh, to having grateful hearts, but generous hearts, and hearts that recognize everything that God has done for us and all that God wants to do in us and through us. And so I'm super, super excited um, about this sermon series that we're calling Where Your Heart Is. It, it, it's it's kind of tough in our world today. Like we take a look at like, where where was your heart this morning, right? Where's your heart been this last week? What are the things that are you know, grabbing at your heart. And we live in a world where things are just a bit crazy, right? I mean, when you think about it, I mean, recession, inflation, stagflation, uh, interest rates, uh, you know, rising, supply chain problems, gas prices, right? Right, yeah, yeah. There, see, now that tells me where your heart is, right? I mean, is any, anybody in the room just have a little bit of uh, anxiousness or worry about the economy? Any, anybody in the room, right? The rest of you are lying, right? So, <laughs> right? You, this, it, it, I, I have to say this morning, you know, it's nice, cool fall evening. It was cold last night, even drizzled, right? I mean, it was great. It kind of feels like fall. But I, I was a little worried this morning because, um, it, you know, it took you guys a little while to warm up. Right, not you guys at home. Right, you guys were just like singing and praising. Right, so, um, but but here's the reality: uh, How many of you are, are a little nervous about economy stuff, things in the economy? Right, I was going to say it's it's got to be because you know as we approach the nasty election stuff that we don't really want to talk about a whole lot. Um, everybody says like the economy is at the top of the list, right, of of people's concerns, right, and what they're what they're looking at, and so we know that that's an issue. I mean, then there's job demands, right? Changes in the way we do work and technologies and all those things and downsizing in some places and trying to, you know, do one person doing two people's jobs and kids' schedules and family time. And a Pew uh, Research survey found that 60% of Americans said that their schedule is too busy to allow them to enjoy life. Anybody resonate? Anyone feeling like it's more difficult than ever to manage your time? Anybody? Now, remember, you're supposed to play along this morning, right? Anybody? Anybody else feeling that way? Come on, get your hands up if you, if you feel that way, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyone feel like you're just kind of living day to day, paycheck to paycheck, wishing you could do something meaningful, but feel like you're just trying to survive? Any, anybody else in, in that kind of boat? You're just, you're just trying to survive, just kind of wait things out. Maybe it'll get better, right? I mean, economic uncertainty, uh, unmanageable schedules, lack of purpose and meaning. Is anyone's heart feeling heavy as you struggle to prioritize life? Any, anybody else in the room? Yeah. Well, you're not alone. And what I want you to understand this morning is, though, that, that, that this... 
that your heavenly father never intended you to live this way. God never wanted us to live with stress, anxiety, worry, fear. He, he didn't intend for us to live frantic, out of control, busy, purposeless, in debt lives. He wanted us to live unhurried, purposeful, debt free, generous lives. Anybody want to sign up for that? Yeah, yeah. Then you're in the right place. But somehow, we have traded in the light yoke of Jesus for a life of burden and, and hearts that are weighed down with worry. And that's the reason for this teaching series that we're calling Where Your Heart Is. Because the condition of your life is determined by the location of your heart. I mean, just let that, let that sink in for a minute. The condition of your life is determined by the location of your heart. Where your heart is matters, and it matters deeply. There's this verse in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It starts out and it says, above all else. Okay, now listen to that carefully. Above all else. Think about that for just a minute. If you were to fill in that blank, right, before we jump in and show you the answer. If you were to fill that in and you were to think, above all else, right, I mean, how, how do you fill in that blank today? Above all else, you know, it could be anything from remember to feed the dog. Right? To, oh man, above all else, make sure that your investment strategy is right, right? Because maybe retirement's coming up. Uh, above all else, How do you fill in that blank? I mean, above all else, family? It's not, not bad. Above all else, you know, guard, guard my rights. Above all else, go to church. I, I vote for that one. Right? That's, that's a good one. I'm glad you're all here. Proverbs 4.23 says this. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Above all else, above everything else that you should concern yourself with, guard your heart. Guard your heart. And, and that's what we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks, you know, the next four after this one to be exact, because where your heart is matters. It, it matters to God and it matters for the, the condition of your life. The life that you are living now is happening in great part because of where your heart is. And the reason that many of us are suffering from stress and burnout and crushing debt and lack of purpose and hopelessness, the reason that you feel like you're a hamster on this wheel of life always running but you don't think you're really getting anywhere is that your heart, your heart maybe has been displaced. It might be in the wrong place. But how did it get there? How did it get there? It, it, it gets there by the choices that we make, sure. But I'm convinced that we, we're doing what the Bible says. We're reaping what we have sown. 
if, if we like stuff, we might get stuff, but then we realize stuff doesn't satisfy, right? If, if we think that somebody else is going to fix our problems, like being in a certain relationship is going to fix our problems, and then that didn't work, like, you know, but we put all of our heart there, and wow, that, that didn't pan out the way we thought it was. And, and then financially, like, oh my gosh, you know, this is happening, um, and, and you have all this anxiety. Why? Well, because maybe that was where you put your security and your safety, and maybe your heart was there, and maybe we've just displaced that. And I think we are reaping what we've sown. We've taken some bad advice from the world. We followed some worldly self-centered investment strategies, to use that lingo. And they're not paying the kind of dividends that we hoped they would have paid off. The world's investment strategies will leave you busy, burned out, tapped out, enslaved, and lacking purpose. But God's kingdom investment strategies, they can bring rest to our weary souls. They can bring us freedom from debt and bondage, the bondage of consumerism and fulfillment as you discover your purpose, your calling, your role, and your purpose in God's kingdom. Maybe you've never thought about it in investment terms before. Or or, or maybe you've never seen God as a, investment advisor but, but I think if you carefully listen to his word you can you can see it there look in Matthew chapter 6 verses uh, 19 it says this do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin you gotta love that word vermin right like anybody have vermin issues We have some rats running around on the wall in our house, but, you know, vermin, right? And vermin destroy where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There your heart will be also. See, Jesus is telling us that we are investors, right? We, we have investment options. You, you could make earthly investments, right? You could store up for yourself treasures on earth, but, but look what happens. I mean, I mean, that looks like a very volatile, uncertain investment, right? He says, we, because that's where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves steal. Um, we all know how, how you know, crazy Right, the financial picture is and things like that. If if we make all these investments here on earth, those things are uncertain. Or you can make heavenly kingdom investments that last forever. That last forever. I mean, did you catch the last verse there? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Did you catch that connection there between your heart and your treasure? I I think it's interesting it says, that the way that it says is, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. In other words, where where you put your treasure, your heart's going to follow that. That's why we can say, hey, the the condition of your life is based on the location of your heart. Because wherever you 
put your treasure, your heart's going to follow there, and that's going to determine the things that you do because it says guard your heart because everything else you do flows from that. So how do we make sure that we guard our heart? Well, you've got to watch where you put your treasure because your heart will follow. Your heart will just follow your treasure every single time. I mean, if you're, if you're going to guard our heart, we have to be careful where it is. And it's actually fairly easy to figure out where your heart is. I mean, according to these verses, it's where your treasure is. Now, now first, like, where, where are, what are your treasures, right? What, what, this, is, this will be key for the next several weeks. What are your treasures? Well, well the first thing is, your, your treasures are the most valuable assets that you have, right? Uh, for instance, time. Definitely, you know, I think we can all agree time is the greatest commodity today, right? I mean, time is, is the most crucial thing. It's the most important thing that we have. So the question becomes, where are you putting that, right? Because if that's your treasure, your heart's going to follow. So what you're spending the most time doing, your, your heart's going to be there. Your heart will follow after that. So, so we want to be very, 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 very um, particular about where we give our time. Then there's our talents, right? Uh, talents are, are, are your gifts, your talents, your ability, your, your efforts, right? Those things that you have. Um, and, and, and it's very important to understand where you put those things, Right? And, and it's, your, your talent is a wonderful thing. It's a gift from God. But the question becomes, where do you put that? Where do you invest that? And then there's just treasures in terms of resources, money, finances, possessions, all those things. If you show me your calendar, um, where you invest your time, where you invest your efforts, where you invest your money, I, I, I can tell you where your heart is. Where your priorities lie. But God is clear where your heart should be. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 it says this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Did did you catch that? The order is really important here. But seek. What's the word? Okay. Seek, yes, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Pay close attention to the order of things. Because I think, as a general rule, most of us, we tend to seek, right? We tend to seek all the other stuff and believe that then we can just bring some kingdom of God along with it. We think, oh, we can seek all these other things and just kind of sprinkle a little of Jesus on top, right? We, we think that we can, we can seek everything else in, in life and then just kind of ask Jesus to bless it for us. We're pretty good at that, right? Like, I'm just, I, these are all the things that I want and I go after and these are the places where my heart is and Jesus, will you bless it? I mean, we, we love that one. We, we love to say, oh, Jesus, will you bless this? And I love this idea. Have you ever thought about maybe just finding out where Jesus' heart is and going there first? Because he's already blessing that. 
and then his blessing will just overflow upon you. Rather than asking him to bless the place that you think you want all your treasure to be. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells a story that drives home this, this expectation that God has for us to be good stewards, good managers of what God has given to us. To be good kingdom investors, right? And I want, I want you to get that, that thought in your mind. Like, where can we invest? If we're going to seek his kingdom first, where can we invest in his kingdom? Where, where, can, we, where can we put our treasure? How do we put our treasure towards his kingdom first so that our hearts will be there? In Matthew 25, starting in verse 14, it's a, a story that Jesus told. And he says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. Sounds like a pretty good deal, right? To another, two bags. And to another, one bag. And some of you are wondering, well, why did the other guy only get one? Right? That tells you a little bit about your heart, if that was your first question. But, and then he says, each according to his ability. Then he went on a journey. The man who had received the five bags went at once, and he put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one who had two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned to settle accounts with them. And the man who had received five bags of gold brought, back, brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man who had two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant out into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Man, you sit back and you go, man, that sounds pretty drastic, right? It does if you're the guy who only got the one. But it sounds pretty amazing if you're the guy that made the right investment. If you are the person that's making the right investment, 
then you hear, well done, good and faithful servant, and you get to share in the master's happiness. There's some key principles that I think we have to understand from from that, um, that story. Number one, whose wealth was it in the first place? Yeah, it was the master's wealth, right? God gave it to him. And one of the key things that we'll tease out over the next several weeks is this, is that God is the giver of everything. Everyone say everything. So how much? Yeah, God is the giver of everything. Again, over the next couple of weeks, we'll, we'll, we'll tease that out a little bit. But I, I think here in our culture, that's something we've got to hear over and over and over and over and over again. Because we're pretty sure that we did that. We're, we're, we're pretty sure that, that you know, what, what we have came from us. Right? I mean, you mix that in with a, with a good Judeo-Christian work ethic and a pursuit of happiness mentality, and a you-can-do-anything-you-want kind of thing. And that could be, for some people, if you're not careful, that could be a recipe for disaster. That could be a recipe for putting your heart in the wrong place, if you're not very careful. But it also can be a recipe for recognizing that God wants to involve you in his kingdom. I mean, I mean, think about this. This is huge. God wants to involve you in his kingdom investment strategy. He wants to use you in this. Now, wouldn't you think that God could just do better on his own? But he doesn't want to. He wants you. He wants to involve you in this. He wants you to be part of the process with him. So God is the owner of everything. Next thing that you need to know is this. God gives according to your ability. Sometimes we sit back and you go, well, why don't I have this? Why don't I? I think the, one of the first things you have to do is kind of check yourself and go like, well, you know, he says, hey, if, if you are faithful with a little bit, then God says, okay, well, then you'll be faithful. Then I'll give you more. But if you're not faithful with the little bit that I give you, then why would I give you more, right? Because when it comes to investment, God's no dummy, Right? He, he, he doesn't choose to make bad investments. He, he gives it where he knows that it can be multiplied and used for his kingdom purposes. God gives according to ability. And some of you sit back and go, well, that doesn't sound too fair. I hate to break the news to you, but God's not really in the fair business. He's just not. I told my kids this for years, right? Because they come in like, you know, one wants one thing, their sister got something, whatever. And they're like, well, that's not fair. I constantly tell, and this is definitely something that we here living in America need to understand, right? Is that you don't want it to be fair. I used to tell my kids all the time, man, you do not want it to be fair. Because what would happen if there was, you know those, um, those easy buttons at Staples? What if there was a big one of those in heaven that was the fair button? Right? And, and God just decided one day, you know, oh, boom, and he hit the fair button. Do you know how much of what you have right now would go away? And you're going like, well, I don't have a whole lot. Well, here's the reality. I, I've been to other places in the world. And the sheer fact that you're sitting on a cushioned seat 
in an air-conditioned room with all this stuff? You had a cup of coffee this morning, and you're, you know, um, you are already leaps and bounds in front of most of the people in our world. We used to tell our kids, man, if, if God hit the fair button, you know what? Several of those cars in front of our house would go away. Our refrigerator, if we had one, would shrink, right? Our, our house would shrink. Everything we have, you know, you, you might have an, one extra pair of clothes. You might have a pair of shoes. I mean, we, we need to really think about all that God has given to us. Because, folks, we're, in my estimation, we're, we're the person that got the five bags of gold. And the question is, what are, what are we going to do with that? I think the other thing that, that this story tells us is that God takes our use of what he's entrusted, what he's given to us, he takes it seriously, right? He comes back and it says, hey, he, he came back and, and he, he wanted to settle accounts with the people he gave things to. Now, you know, above all the great ways that we can be thankful. Have you ever woken up this morning, you know, on a morning and, and you've just been thankful for everything you have and then you thought for a minute, like, well, how would God think I'm doing with everything he's given me? You know, it's nice to go, thank you, Jesus, for everything I have. I mean, I, I, I wake up every morning. I learned this from a, a pastor years ago. Man, and before my feet hit the ground, I, I just say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I got to tell you something. As I was studying for this, I started realizing it's pretty easy for me to rejoice and be glad in it. Because I'm, I'm pretty blessed. I mean, what would I not have to rejoice in? I mean, we joke all the time, right? We, we, we live here in the Canal Valley. We're like right at the end of the rainbow. And it's like, man, the question is, is not do we have something to be thankful about. The question is this, is would God be pleased with the way that we're using all this stuff? Would he be happy with our investment strategies right now? So over the next four weeks, we're, we're going to look at how we can use our time Right? Which, which we're all like scrambling around trying to get a hold of. Right? How we use our time, our talents, and our treasures to make kingdom investments that will last for eternity. To, to make the best investments ever. I mean, the Apostle Paul, he says this in 1 Timothy 6, uh, 17, 19. We'll come back to this in one of the weeks. It says, teach those who are rich in this present world... Who would that happen to be? Anybody? Yeah, probably us. Yeah. Not even a probably, it is us. Teach those who are rich in this present world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who again, he richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Have you ever thought about that? God, God's not saying like, oh, I'm going to give you all this stuff. But man, he's not a ruthless you know, taskmaster. He, he says he gives you everything you need for your enjoyment. He wants us to enjoy it. He wants us to have life to the full. He says, tell them to use their money to do good. 
They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, now here comes the investment part, by doing this, they will store up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. So you want to experience true life? You want to experience everything God has for you? Then be really good at investing in his kingdom. Now, when you go to a financial advisor, right, or an investment strategist, and I know we we probably have some of those in the room right now, but there's three things that you'll try to establish when you go, okay? Because, like, I I don't know about you, but, you know, we're we're kind of at that point in life where we're like, okay, like, is, is, you know, I mean, retirement, is that, like, a possible thing? Is it, like, what's that look like? You know, all those different questions. I know a lot of people are asking that question. Right? Like, how, how does that work? And, and so when you go and you're talking to, you know, a financial advisor or an investment strategist, they're going to they're try to establish three things. Number one, they're going to try to establish where you are. Right? Like, where, where are things now? That's what they're, they're going to look at that and go, okay, well, where are you? And then they're going to say, where do you want to be or what's the goal? Right? What, what's the goal? Where are we trying to get to? And then... The important part is then a plan on how to get from where you are now to where you want to be. This usually involves making some decisions to make regular deposits into investments. Right? Are you you all following me? Have you all done this before? It's pretty simple stuff, right? If you're here and you want to get here, you got to do something. You got to invest somewhere here so that you can get from point A to point B. And so I think, what if we did the same thing in developing a kingdom investment strategy? I mean, what if not just looking at, like, you know, those, you know, the financial end, those investments that we have, our 401ks and all that stuff. Why, why instead of just looking at that, why not develop a kingdom investment strategy that you know is going to pay off huge dividends well into eternity. If you were guaranteed that that would work, would you, would you, would you buy in? Would you do it? Would you make the investment? You say that now. <laughs> right? Well, yeah, it makes sense. And yeah, the Bible even tells us, yeah, we should be doing that. So each week, for the next several weeks, we're going to look at our different treasures we're going to look at where our heart is currently in those areas of life. We're going to look at where, where we see God's word guiding us to be where he wants us to be, right? Because let's be honest, there's usually some discrepancy between where I'm at now and where God wants me to be. Yeah? Somebody shake your head and say, yeah, that's probably me too, right? Yeah, okay, good. So, Yeah. So we're going to take a look at like, okay, where are we now? Where's God want us to be? And then, then we're going to develop a plan on how do we get there? How do we make this investment in the kingdom of God so that we make these great investments that pay off? Not just now, but over a lifetime. 
I mean, these are really important things that, that we're, we're going to be discussing. Those, if, you, if you're in a life group, you know, the discussion will be around those things. If you're not in a life group, I want to encourage you to, you know, sign up to get in one, okay? Um, you, could, you could sign up online. You can go out to the First Encounter Gazebo and, and they'll help you. Or you could, you could come to Next Steps that's today, right after service, and we'll help you figure out how to get signed up for those things. Because it's really important for all of us to process some of this together, it's one thing to hear it and go, yeah, that's a good idea, right? Because a lot of people, okay, last week we talked about the fact that a lot of people, like, will go get prescriptions filled and then never take them, right? We're all kind of good at that, right? Same thing. There's a lot of people that go and they, they listen to, you know, an investment strategy and all this stuff, but then they never actually do what they're supposed to do. They never actually fund that thing. And then they wonder at the end why it didn't work. You know, then they get to retirement and go, gee, I thought there was going to be more than that, right? Now, I get it, right? There's all kinds of up and down issues in, in the economy and the world and everything like that. But everybody, you know, they're like, they, weren't, they didn't do what they're supposed to do. And then they wonder how they got where they got. Well, they got where they got by choosing not to do what they thought they wanted to do. So we're going to take a look at some of this. So, so, you know, I keep getting all of these mailers, in the mail from AARP. And I keep pretending that they're not for me. I keep thinking to myself, oh, those are for the guy next door. They just put the mail in the wrong mailbox. Right? Um, but it doesn't even say, you know, to the resident of. It actually has my name on there. And I'm like, what do they know that I don't know? Right? The other day, one of these, like, mailers showed up. And I usually, because I'm in total denial, um, I usually take those things, I just deposit them in the trash, right, right away. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I'll think about it later. So I take that thing and just put it in the trash. But, but this one time, not too long ago, I, I started to look at one of them. And, and one of the little headlines on one of those little um, flyers from our friends at AARP said that 80% of Americans are not prepared for retirement, they have little to no savings. In fact, it was something like 30% have absolutely no savings whatsoever. And mostly because they're in debt and, and they end up living paycheck to paycheck. And I, I thought, I started to think about that and I thought, I began to wonder, what, what if we applied this same principle, this same principle to eternity? What, what if I started thinking about that investment, right? I mean, we think about our investment in our future that's here. And, and there's people that put a lot of effort, a lot of time, and a lot of money into their investments for their future here. And I know that I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, but eternity is a lot longer than your future here, right? I mean, I know some of you are looking at me like confused. Eternity is longer than your future here. So the big question is, if we're, if we're really bad at like making investments for the future here, like how are we doing with our investments for eternity? I mean, how is that working I mean, what internal investments have you been making? Now, here's the question. So how exactly do we make kingdom investments? 
right? And, and I'll, I'll kind of close with a couple stories and then, um, and then we'll pick it up and, and talk about this because this is the big thing. How do we make kingdom investments now? How do we store up treasure in heaven now? What is treasure in heaven? One, one thing we know it's not, it's not gold, right? In, in heaven, gold is pavement, right? You just walk on it. So, so what, is the, what is the investment that you make in heaven? It's not stuff, right? Because basically we all know you aren't taking your stuff with you. So what is it? What are the, what, what's, a king, what's that kingdom investment? What's a heavenly investment? When it says store up your treasures in heaven, what is it that we store up there? What does a treasure in heaven look like? And, and I would contend to you this morning that it's lives. That it's souls that God has created and God wants to be saved and spend eternity with him. You happen to be one of those that God wants to spend eternity with. And when we make investments in the kingdom, what we're doing is we're, we're helping people find and follow Jesus so that they spend eternity with him. We aren't trying to create great church attenders and, you know, just nice people, which are all really nice people, and I'm glad you are attending church and all those things. But what we're really after is souls that will spend eternity with Jesus. Because the other option, where there's weeping and gnashing teeth, is not a good option. And nobody votes to go there. But when we don't make the proper investments, that's what happens. It's using our time, our talent, our treasure here and now to help people find and follow Jesus, to help people make it to heaven. That is how we make investments. And this, my friends, this is the best investment ever. In fact, this is the best investment forever. I mean, just imagine this for a moment, right? Because most of us in this room are like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm going to heaven. If, if you don't know that for sure, by the way, then I'd love to chat with you after church because um, we, we believe that you can know that, right? And, and, and that Jesus wants you to be there. But could you, could you just imagine for a minute walking in the streets of heaven and, and a man comes running up to you and he says, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. If it wasn't for you, I might not be here. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed that God would provide for my family. We were homeless. We were living in a shack in Mexico. And I had almost given up hope. I was questioning if God really cared at all. But then you and a bunch of your crazy friends showed up, that crazy group of people, and you gave up a week of your time, and you built us a home, and you showed us that God cared. And Jesus just looks at you, and he smiles. Or maybe... Maybe it's a woman who meets you on the streets of heaven 
She looks a little familiar, and as she runs up to you, she throws her arms around you, and she says, thank you, thank you, thank you. You may not remember me, but I was in your lift class when I was in second grade. Life at home was rough, but every week you were there teaching us the stories of Jesus. And, and I, I, I wandered from God through my college years, but one day when I was in a really dark place, I remembered how you told us about how Jesus was always with us. And I came back to faith in Jesus because that foundation that you laid was there. And Jesus just looked at you and smiled. Or maybe it was a young man who ran up to you and said, I might have died without you. You see, I, I lived in Logantown in Liberia in West Africa. And when I was two years old, one day I got cholera from contaminated water outside our home. I was dehydrated. I had this horrible fever. And one night, when my parents thought that I was going to die, they took me to the Arlington Medical Center that you donated to help open. And I got the medicine that made me well. And not only did I get well, but the nurse there told us about Jesus. And that's why I'm here. And Jesus just looks at you, and he smiles. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. I mean, what about the young man in Ecuador that became a pastor? Because you supported a team to go there and to share the gospel. What about the family who, who had never really gone to church before? But they got invited to trunk or treat. And, and they showed up and they decided to give church a try because you volunteered that night to make the whole thing happen. Here's the crazy part. Is every single one of those is a true story. Not, not just something I made up, but I know those people. Those people that will be in eternity because somebody like you chose to make the proper kingdom investment. You, you can make all kinds of earthly investments and, and all those things, they will eventually be forgotten. They'll eventually all be gone or you can make investments in the kingdom of God that will live on forever and ever. And those, my friends, are the best investments ever. And the question is, is will we make it? Will we make those investments to ensure that people will come to find and follow Jesus? Because, folks, that is why we exist. I mean, God held nothing back to make it possible for you to make it to heaven. I mean, when you, when you stop and you think about it, do, do you recognize the investment that God made in eternity for you? 
In First Peter it says, it was not with earthly things like silver and gold that you were purchased, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus gave his life so that you could spend eternity with him. He invested his very life, his blood, so that we could live forever. And the question is, what are we doing with that gift? What kind of investments are we making? Are we investing all of our efforts in the here and now? Are we investing in eternity? Because eternity is a whole lot longer than what we've got here. You can make the best investments ever. Just make them in the, in the kingdom of God. That's why every week we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And we remember the incredible gift that God has given to us. And the price that Jesus paid. The investment that Jesus made so that we could live forever. Without his investment, without his life, without his blood, then, then we are absolutely hopeless. But because of what he did, we, we not only have hope, we're now invited in to the kingdom and, and, and to join God's incredible kingdom strategy to help others get there as well. So this morning, let's remember Christ's sacrifice by taking the bread and let's, let's take that together. And then let's take the cup and remember the sacrifice that Jesus made by giving his blood to forgive our sins. And this morning, I just want you want to encourage you this morning to take just a moment and think about, think about it in terms of Jesus investing in you. That Jesus giving his life so that you could be in eternity with him forever. And then maybe for just a moment, think about what he's asking you to do to invest in his kingdom. And over the next several weeks, we're gonna unpack that and give you some very tangible ways that I think can bring our lives from crazed and hurried and worried to exciting and peaceful and fulfilled as we enter in with him to see the kingdom come on earth here as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for all that you have done for us. Father, thank you. Thank you, Father, for making that investment of your life for us so that we could have our sins forgiven, so that we could know real life, and so that we could live in eternity with you forever. We love you, Lord. Help us to be good partners in the work you're doing for eternity. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.